There's the pass to Leitner. Puts it up. Welcome into this this year's edition of Cameron Chronicles. This is our third season of our Duke basketball podcast coming from the Chronicle, Duke's newspaper of record. My name is Derek Saul. I'm sports editor of the Chronicle and one of your hosts here for the Cameron Chronicles. And I'm joined here by Shane Smith, our Blue Zone editor. And we are recording this Thursday at 5 p.m. So if any big news breaks between now and when you're listening, just just know that we, we didn't know anything. And Shane, thank you very much for joining us. Of course. Glad to be here. Yeah, so today we're going to break down Duke's big win against Kansas. That's going to be that's going to be our number one topic, and really what our big takeaways were from that game, and kind of extrapolating that to the to the full season. And let's get right into it. Duke wins sixty eight sixty six in Tuesday's season opener against number three Kansas, and it was really a back and forth contest. We saw Duke was trailing by nine to the Jayhawks in pretty well into that second half. And then we saw Trey Jones and Cassius Stanley come alive. And what was your biggest takeaway from the evening? Well, you know, I'll be the first to say that coming into that game, I did not expect much from the Blue Devils. But, you know, they really they really showed showed some stuff. And first of all, I, you know, I saw the development just over the course of the game from the four freshmen, not necessarily Wendell Moore, who... Only played 12 minutes, not his best game. Hopefully we, we, hopefully we get to see him improve. But, you know, especially Cassius Stanley taking over in that second half. Vernon Carey got better, and uh, Matthew Hurt played a great game overall. Just seeing them develop over the course of the game was great. Yeah, and obviously the freshmen did come up big, but we saw really a, a Johnny Holstaff-type performance from Duke. Duke played nine players, not ten. We'll, we'll get into that a little later. Joey Baker did not play lot. That did not play Tuesday, and it was really wild to see Coach K follow through with having that balanced rotation. And that was that was my number one observation. We saw nine Blue Devils log double digit minutes, and eight of the actually let me say seven of the nine did something had a big role and really had a really had a really important part to the win I'm excluding Wendell Moore who went one for six from the field and had four turnovers I mean he couldn't have really looked worse and Jordan Goldwire who was somewhat of a surprise insertion into the starting lineup but we saw he was pretty ineffective I mean he had he had no points he really did nothing and to start Coach K ran out the starting lineup of Trey Jones Trey Jones, Jordan Goldwire, Cassius Stanley, Matthew Hurt, Vernon Carey. Were you surprised with that lineup at all? You know, I didn't. I really wasn't that surprised. Obviously, you're you're losing a little bit of offensive flair if you put in Jordan Goldwire. But I think it was clear that Coach K was trying to send a message that defense is coming first on this team. Obviously, Virginia just won a national championship predicated on their defense, and I think Coach K is really trying to flip the script there. Uh, Hurt and Carey, I think they're always going to be the starting front court. Uh, but, you know, I, I really didn't think it was that much of a surprise, um, and especially after Wendell's Moore, Moore's performance. I think we see Cassius Stanley staying in that three spot going forward, even though it's a bit undersized. Yeah, and I think 
Cassius Stanley, to me, was the most impressive player. I mean, Trey Jones was Duke's best player, but we knew that. He's the, he's the, return, he's the returning star. Coach K says over and over again, this is his team. But Cassius Stanley was a guy. He was a four-star recruit coming in, according to ESPN. So he was I guess, the number four-rated recruit of this class. But he seems, he seems the most ready to contribute. And wow, does he love the big moment. His first half was awful. I don't think he had any field goals. No. Yeah, and he had three or four turnovers in that first half. And I know, I remember I had written down that, you know, he looked lost in grouping Cassius Stanley and Wendell Moore into that erratic freshman group. And Stanley, he really, he came alive in that second half and he was the catalyst for the Blue Devils. He ended up with 13 points, a really efficient five of six up from the field. There was a sequence where he had back-to-back fast break dunks where we know he's a great athlete. And I remember turning to Connor McLeod, our other writer there at Madison Square Garden Tuesday night, and just saying, wow, like it's, it's like he's playing 2K and he's the R2 button held down the entire time. I mean, he is always sprinting, and we'll, we'll get to see that, that, that stamina really come alive in the second half where he just seems to be a better athlete than everyone else. And not similar, I guess, not that similar to Zion Williamson of last year where Zion was just so much superior physically, but Cassius is faster. He can jump higher than other guys. And it's really cool to see that he's really doing everything on the court. Yeah, and I just loved his confidence on, what, in my opinion, what was the biggest play of the game, that catch and shoot three on the left wing you know, it's your first college game. You're playing a top five team in Madison Square Garden. And without hesitation, he got that ball in the wing, just let it fly. And, you know, that really got Duke back in the game and led them to the victory. Yeah, and luckily for us, as part of the media covering Duke basketball, Cassius Stanley, there's no better quote. This is my third year here at Duke and have, have talked to my fair share players. And uh, no one, yeah, no one likes talking to the media more than Cassius, and he's he's maybe, from maybe Zion, maybe Zion. Yeah, yeah, there you go. There's there, that's probably the similarity. They can they can jump high and and they like talking to the media. And yeah. after that, you know, Cassius Stanley's no Zion. No one is no one is Zion, but he loves the spotlight, and it's really exciting thing to see. If he he's he's a walking soundbite. He's he said that he told Trey in the second half that. If they're going to win, needs to the team's going to hop on his back, and he's he's really awesome. He's really excited. He's really exciting to to cover, and someone that does does fill the void left after losing so much star power from last season. But I you, I know you talked a bit about the freshman bigs. We Duke really won that game against Kansas because their bigs hung with Kansas's. Yeah, the defense was. One of the most impressive parts, obviously, you see the number of, you know, forcing 28 turnovers, but the job that Vernon Carey and Matthew Hurt did doubling uh, Yudoka Azubuki in the, po- in the post was incredible. You know, uh, Azubuki was preseason Big 12 player of the year, held him to eight points. And every time Azubuki would get the ball down low, it was two people coming and, you know, without fail, it would always be Cassius Stanley coming down in the wing to help to make sure it was no easy dump off for an extra bucket after that. And I think that's really what won us the game. Uh, Azubuki did not, you know, once once he got in the post, Vernon Carey, who's big man himself, but he's no Azubuki, but Hurt was always there to stop him. Yeah, and we also saw Jack White really come up big. We 
last season, Jackway had a great first six weeks. He was shooting very well and playing really good defense, and we saw him fully fall out of the rotation. Now he's back for his senior season, and him alongside his best friend, fellow senior captain, Javin Delorier, they, they also stepped up, and seeing Azubuke, he was held to, to eight points, and he really wasn't that much of a factor. And I know coming in, that was a big concern of Duke's, Duke's defense inside looked didn't look great, and we didn't know how Vernon Carey would look defensively, but they they really stepped up, and I, as you look to this, is a, this is a defense-first team. I mean, most of Duke's guys are not, not particularly, I shouldn't say not gifted scorers, but aren't really going to create their own shot. I mean, looking at the nine guys that are currently in the rotation, there are probably two or three guys that you can turn to for a bucket, and you're going to see Duke really grind out games and Duke scoring 68, Duke winning 68-66. That's probably pretty common score. I would assume that Duke's going to average upper 60s in points. Now, they'll probably be a lot higher when they, they have three pretty soft non-conference opponents coming up. But this is a different Duke team from last year. And they can run out. I mean, the lineups that they can run out defensively of you could do Trey Jones, Jordan Goldwire, Wendell Moore, Vernon Carey and Javin Delorier, which you may score zero points, but your opponent will score zero points. And it's it's really, again, the, the roster construction is very interesting. And last year, there, there wasn't really a question of who's going to play. It was going to be the four freshmen of Zion Williamson, R.J. Barrett, Cam Reddish, Trey Jones. And there's going to be a fifth guy, but honestly, that fifth guy never really mattered. The, the freshmen were good enough. And I mean, the usage rate of the four freshmen, I mean, they were... I don't know the exact percentage, but they must have scored between 70 and 75% of Duke's points last year. No, yeah, you, you said it. it's 100% going to be defense throughout this season. Um, I mentioned the 28 turnovers forced. That's Duke's most forced turnovers all time against a top five team, most in over 10 years. And, you know, talking to my dad after the game, one of the things that he said is in these last couple of years where you're getting these top three, top five recruits, when they start the season, they're always explosive offensive teams, and they've had to kind of develop a defensive identity, whether it was 2017 where you know they went to the 2-3 zone and that became effective, or last year when their defense started to get effective in man-to-man towards the end of the year. But now we're on this different route where Duke looks like, Duke looks like a great defensive team, and now they kind of got to develop that offense, and you know, maybe that'll be the key to a national title. But it's definitely interesting to see. Duke was, except for a couple backdoor cuts that they'll have to tighten up there, I think that's just some freshman mistakes, they just look dominant. And uh, the scary thing is Duke was, uh, Kansas had more points in transition than Duke did. And when you think about all the turnovers that Duke forced, if they could start turn, uh, you know, taking those turnovers and putting them into points in transition, they might not need to have you know, a great, really effective half-court offense. They can just take it to teams defensively and get going on the break to score. Yeah, and what's what's really crazy about that that high turnover number is we didn't see the Trey Jones or Jordan Goldwire show last season, especially against Louisville, where they're just hounding ball handlers and not letting them get move an inch forward without without facing pressure. And we saw none of that. I mean, give credit to Kansas guards of they. 
they're they're capable enough to to get past Trey Jones and Goldwire on the dribble, but when when they start gelling and they start attacking guys, I mean this yeah, it's going to be defense first team and I agree with you. This I don't think they're gonna be a good half court team the entire season, honestly. I just I don't think that I don't think that their talent really profiles for that. Again, there there aren't really guys that you can you can turn to, especially especially the wings. Um, I think Carey and Hurt are both guys that are really capable offensively. Obviously, Hurt is probably the most talented offensive player, all things considered, and Vernon Carey is really strong in the paint, but they're just, they seem to be faster. They seem to be more athletic, and I, I do think that when when Duke scores, when Duke wins, they're almost always going to winning that turnover battle. Yeah, and, you know, the offense didn't look great last night. And probably the biggest concern I have for this team right now is, you know, when the game's on the line, you need a bucket. Who's going to be able to step up and get that and get that basket? I mean, Trey Jones had it uh, with that nice little shot that bounced three times off the rim. But I really don't see him as a player that that's going to be able to consistently score. I mean, last year, you had RJ, you had Zion, you even had Cam, who always get a timely bucket was as the game was winding down and you know te- teams of Duke's past have always had a, a dominant ball handler who can go get get a basket and I really don't see that on the team right now perhaps Cassius Stanley can kind of turn into that but I feel like Duke really doesn't have a score from all three levels right now uh, maybe Matthew Hurt is that person but I really feel like he doesn't have the ball handling skills. That's that's just really my only concern with this team right now. I don't think offense is going to be that big of a problem, especially with their defense that they have. Yeah, and overall, as I'm sure you can tell, the, the takeaways have to be pretty positive from this game. Duke was favored by two and a half, which was really weird because no, it flipped. Oh, it did flip. Kansas, yeah, Kansas okay. got favored by uh, was favored by two. Good because it time. made no sense. Duke opened. That they were favored by two and a half, but yeah, I mean, the, coming in, you you'd be a fool to have said that you you a hundred percent expected Duke to win, and you have to be pretty impressed with it. And I think Kansas looked like a team that was kind of sloppy, which is surprising considering their entire starting lineup is composed of upperclassmen. They have upperclassmen such as Silvio D'Souza coming off the bench, but that's a good team. I mean, I even if Kansas isn't amazing this year they're they're probably going to be a top 10 team throughout the year and getting that win especially with so much uncertainty coming into the season especially having a really weak preseason I mean Duke couldn't really have had a worse preseason they they only won by six points to a d2 team and a game d2 champions they were the d2 champions but that's it's still not good um and I think that's that's a game that Duke's played like the D2 champions before, yeah, and, and they it, beat them by 50. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Their closest uh, exhibition win was 14, and that's it, yeah. un- definitely unprecedented. Yeah, but it was definitely it, it was definitely a very good outcome for Duke, and Coach K was, was all smiles after the game. But one weird thing, and we, we mentioned the, the deep rotation is – Joey Baker did did not play after he had six threes in Duke's last exhibition against Fort Valley State, and a little 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 self plug from me is I, I wrote a story on DukeChronicle.com on uh, Joey Baker's listed as playing during the game, 
But you're not crazy if you didn't see him the, the whole game. Um, if you go back and watch when he supposedly played for his his glorious zero-plus minutes, as is listed in the box score, he was not in the game. The official scorer must have mistaken him for uh, for Matthew Hurd or Alex O'Connell, which we, we've all been there. But regardless, he... Even if even if he had played that 19 seconds, he wasn't a prominent part of the rotation. Do you think that's something that's going to change? I don't know if it's going to change, but I will say that I was I was very shocked to not see Joey Baker get in the lineup. I mean, it's not that Duke didn't have a problem shooting from deep, which is obviously what Baker's going to provide, 8 for 24 uh, on the night. But, you know, even if you go back to the Champions Classic against Michigan State two years ago, if, do you remember, you know, Coach K randomly inserting gold wire in the first half? And he stepped up and hit a huge three. And I think just remembering at the time, like, seeing gold wire in there, I was like, wow, like, you know, Coach K is actually going to try out some new things, give people a chance. And I kept thinking that he was going to give Baker a chance. And honestly, like, how could you not after that preseason game? It was so impressive. Obviously, Duke's going to need three-point shooting. He gave it to you, you know, I'd want to see, if I was head coach, I'd want to see what he could do against a team like Kansas for sure. And, and I'll be really interested to see if, and this is huge overreaction to 40 minutes of basketball, but Wendell Moore really could be benched. He couldn't have looked worse. And I know he's known for his defense, but he really looked lost out there. I mean, there was one point of one of his turnovers, I think he was dribbling for like 17 seconds straight before just running out of bounds, trying to trying to get baseline, and he could be someone that sees the bench. And again, I, I, I hate to do this after one game, but this is it's such a small percentage of the season. But I think it makes a lot more sense for Joey Baker to be featured over Wendell Moore. They're, Duke's defense is already going to be really good, and if Stanley looked like a great defender and he can provide really what Wendell what Duke would need when they would put in Wendell Moore of that guy that's that's all hustle, can guard multiple positions. And I agree. I, I don't see how Joey Baker get averages zero minutes a game. And even we've seen that he's not as good of an athlete as as expected. He was a really high recruit coming out of high school. And he's not going to turn into a 30-minute-a-game double-digit scorer in all likelihood. He's But he's... Is he six foot seven? I believe. Yeah, six yeah. seven. He's six foot seven, and he's probably the best shooter on the team. Yeah, I mean, Baker last year. See, one of my big hopes for Joey is that when you think about in practice last year, yeah, he was going to redshirt. I mean, I guess it mattered a little bit that they lost his redshirt, but think about who he was guarding in practice every day. He was guarding Cam and Zion and RJ. And my hope that he was going to be able to come in and be, you know, this greatly improved 3 and D player from his time, you know, guarding them in practice. I I think that he can add something to the team. If you saw, I mean, Hurt hit some threes. Um, so O'Connell hit one. Uh, Vernon Carey hit a couple. But I think that he can come in and, you know, just space the floor. I mentioned our lack of a go-to scorer. Like, if Duke needs a go-to scorer... That might have to come with Vernon Carey, and if Duke doesn't put shooters out on the floor, then opponents are just going to be able to pack the paint, and he's not going to get a good look off. 
Yeah, and I think the role that I envision for Baker this season is, and this may be lost in any non non Knicks fans, but Steve Novak. I don't know if you, I don't know if you remember him, but he yeah. was. And this is probably slightly insulting to Joey Baker, but Steve Novak was, he just stood in the corner for the Knicks teams in the, the early 2010s, and he was really effective. He made a couple threes a game at above a 40% clip for a couple seasons there, and minimally, I think that's Joey Baker's role. He has potential to be be more than that, but I don't see how you don't... I see him averaging eight to ten minutes a game this year. I, he's not—he's not going to be one of the top five or six guys, but I don't see how you don't try to give him a chance. And when, if say Duke is down, Duke is down three with ten seconds left, and they have the ball, who are you putting out there? I mean, possibly O'Connell. Yeah. Well, Alex O'Connell looked good. I've always been a big fan of O'Connell's game. And he looked pretty good. He actually came up with three steals. He was only one of six from outside, but he's proven to be a pretty solid offense player. I expect him to stay in the rotation. Um, and he is that the offense first guy. He's really him, Matthew Hurt, and Joey Baker, the three offense first guys. Everyone else is either is either neutral or is is a better defensive player. I think that's a fair statement to make. Right. Yeah, maybe, maybe Vernon Carey. Vernon Carey... We didn't see that much out of Vernon Carey offensively, but I expect him to to be very solid, especially when he's playing teams like Colorado State coming up. Yeah, where... yeah I mean, I I <laughs> never expected much from Carey going up against seven you know, two Azubuki. That's there's just not that many of them in college basketball. And he's definitely going to be he's definitely going to be the biggest person on the court for the majority of Duke's games yeah. this season. Um, you just alluded to Azubuki being seven two. He's listed at seven foot two seventy. There's no way that's true. No, he's like seven two two eighty five. Yeah, he's because a behemoth. Vernon Carey's listed as two seventy, and albeit he's probably a little softer than Azubuki, but I mean Azubuki's like the biggest guy I've seen on the court at least play competitively. Yeah, and I mean, like I mentioned earlier, he was Big Twelve preseason player of the year. I honestly didn't think he was that good coming into the year. I think, honestly, Devin Dotson's their best player. But he just opens up the whole floor for Kansas, and I think that's why. That was probably the most impressive part of, of Carey's night, as well as his you know two for two from beyond the arc. That's going to be huge for Duke if he can step out there and consistently knock down a jumper. Yeah, and... My, you, you shouted out your dad before. My dad would be upset if he didn't get a shout out also. But my dad said after the game that Vernon Carey has a rainbow rainbow jumper, which may be true, but he will be wide open from three multiple times a game. And we saw it actually reminds me of Wendell Carter, my my freshman year, where he was just be wide open. And he wouldn't take the shot and be frustrating. But Vernon Carey, he's going to. No one will be guarding him when he's at the top of the key at least two or three times a game. And if he can even shoot that at a 35% clip, I mean, yeah, that's that's really big for Duke. And having getting to respect that and opening, making defenders respect that and opening up lanes for guys like Trey Jones, Cassius Stanley to, to drive and slash, that, that's that's huge. Yeah, and Duke, Duke has these guards in Goldwire, Cassius Stanley and Wendell Moore who... None of them can shoot the three particularly well, but you know if you if you have this this uh, this front court duo of Hurt and Carey that can both you know they're both able to hit uh, hit a long range shot. I don't think it's honestly going to matter that much, and Stanley and Moore can just kind of focus on their own offensive games. 
Yeah, and to to quickly go into some big picture stuff, you mentioned Al Azubuki, who was picked to be Big 12 Player of the Year, but he didn't look that amazing. The, the narrative really surrounding college basketball right now is the talent drain, and there's not really a clear best player in the country. I mean, there's Cassius Stanley. Uh, sorry, <laughs> Cassius Winston is in that conversation from Michigan State. Um, Trey Jones is kind of is Trey Jones and Udoka Azubuki are kind of in it as well, and it's really weird to see that there aren't really dominant stars right now. No, and if you, you know if you definitely take a look at the ACC, you see that top talent range. You got Jordan Nora of Louisville, obviously Trey Jones, Cole Anthony of North Carolina. I I picked Jordan Nora to to win uh, ACC Player of the Year in the preseason, but yeah, after watching last night. I you know you mentioned Trey Jones maybe for ACC Player of the Year. I don't think anyone's got a shot of taking down Cole Anthony after his thirty four points performance last night. Honestly, doesn't look like the rest of North Carolina's roster is going to be that good, and I think Cole Anthony's just going to put the team on his back. Runaway candidate. Yeah, for well, ACC Player of the Year. A lot of individual accolades come down to usage rate, and Cole Anthony may have the highest usage rate in the country this year. Yeah. Like like you said, I I don't really know who else is taking shots, and he's he's really good and deserves to be taking these shots. He's I, I'd be shocked if he averages less than twenty points a game, and I think he's ACC Player of the Year favorite after one game. And we we love the over we love to overreact, but with use I think with usage patterns and rotation patterns, those are things you can overreact to after the first game because. Those tend to look pretty consistent throughout the year. And I think he's almost a lock to be ACC Player of the Year at this point. And after one game, I'd probably pick him to be National Player of the Year, honestly. Because I, I don't know I don't know who else would be. I mean, Marcus Howard of Marquette. Yeah. I definitely think he's got a great shot. He was really impressive last year. Obviously, I think Nora could too, or Cassius Winston. But Cole Anthony was so impressive. After he ditched his goggles, I don't know if you saw. He, I didn't see he's, that. He's, he came out wearing goggles to start the game. Missed like three straight shots. Took them off. He said he's not wearing them ever again. I love. I've always loved the goggles, especially in baseball. The the Rex, you know, it's a good reliever throwing, throwing, throwing heat and oh, yeah. rocking the it's goggles. A bit scary always- to look down on, but. You know, there's a lot of things to look forward this year, but I don't think I'm more excited to see anything other than Trey Jones guarding Cole Anthony. When they play, when uh, Duke plays Carolina, yeah, and we have a lot of exciting, exciting point guard matchups coming up. We'll see Trey Jones versus Cassius Winston at the beginning of December when Duke take goes to take on Michigan State. And looking forward quickly, Duke will take on Colorado's take on Colorado State tomorrow, Friday, depending on when depending on when you're listening to this, Friday at seven p.m. and They'll have next week, they'll have Central Arkansas and Georgia State come in. I mean, Duke will be favored by 30-plus in all of those games, or maybe not 30, but Duke's, Duke's not losing those games. I'm pretty confident in that. But after that, we'll see the Duke travel to Madison Square Garden for the 2K Classic. Cal, Georgetown, Texas will all be in that. I would pretty much chalk up five wins for Duke here. I guess Cal, Georgetown, Texas, there, there might be a close game in there. But I, I think the next real test we'll see for Duke is beginning of December, traveling to East Lansing to take on Michigan State and what could be number one versus number two. 
Uh, that's going to be possibly. Yeah, I think Kentucky will probably Kentucky will stay over. Ah, I mean, I guess Kentucky would need to lose, but it'll be a top another top five matchup. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And I think, you know, the Duke always plays these these home games against you know lesser quality opponents in over November and December. I think just comparing this to last year is almost in these games last year. I know they played Army, Eastern Michigan. It almost felt like in those games you were just kind of like, "I'm here for the show." Like I'm here to watch these guys, these these three freshmen, you know, to see what they can do. And now I almost feel there's just like, there's this sense of, "All right, let's see how this team is going to gel and improve." Because last year, you know, you beat Kentucky by 34 points. You think that's going to be pretty close to your peak. But I think that this Duke team's got a long way to go, and I really think that you know these next three games, starting with Colorado State on Friday, is going to be you know they're going to be a real a real telling test on how Duke's offense is going to start to improve. Yeah, and before before we head out, I think I know we've been we've been really positive, and yeah, you really have to be pretty positive after that win against Kansas. But you said that Duke has a long way to go, and they really do. This isn't a team that I I, th- I don't think that Duke is one of the five best teams in the country still, um, and they they'll they'll be ranked as so, and they deserve to be ranked as so. But I think they're it's not going to be all smooth sailing for Duke. There are going to be games where it's incredibly frustrating to watch them because they just they can't score, and that's that's really going to be the the number one thing. I don't think they're really going to get burned too much defensively, but. This is still a Duke team that has a lot of room to grow, and the next few weeks with quote-unquote easier matchups will be really interesting to see how they grow and how the rotation really develops. No, and don't, don't discredit some of, these, uh, some of these home games in November and December because obviously, like you said, there's going to be bumps and bruises, but when I look at teams like Stephen F. Austin, Winthrop, Wofford, like these are teams that have made made the tournament and had success in the tournament over recent years, and I'm not I'm not making a prediction that Duke's home non conference winning streak is going to come to an end, but there could definitely be some close games in there to give Duke a scare. Yeah, and thank you very much for for joining us and sticking around. We'll be back every week. You can check a, make sure to check us out. Subscribe on Apple, Spotify, wherever wherever you get podcasts. Check out all of our great coverage on Twitter at Duke Basketball, online, DukeChronicle.com. Make sure to follow us on Twitter. I'm, I'm at Derek underscore Saul. And I'm at, uh, at Shane O.C. Smith. Yeah. And thank you very much for the Cameron Chronicles, Derek Saul and Shane Smith. Have a great day.